Welcome to the Whole Life Healing Podcast with Dr. Alexander Lloyd, best-selling author and founder of the Revolutionary Healing Codes Technique. Each week, Dr. Alex shares principles and methods from psychology, energy medicine, natural medicine, and spirituality to help you reduce stress, heal emotional and physical issues, and remove the barriers that hold you back from happiness and success. Join us as we learn to live our happiest, healthiest, and most successful lives. Here's Dr. Alex. I think I wrote this in the Love Code um, called Beyond Willpower Now, sure to be, soon to be the Love Code. I'm not sure if I wrote it in the Healing Code or not. I may have, but I've said this for as long as I've been teaching and things, that the most important thing to me that I do um, is not the codes, that my number one through ten is prayer. And the codes and other things like that that I think are wonderful and very beneficial would start at about number eleven. And some of you may have read the book and read that and just sort of, I don't know, sloughed over it a little bit, like I might have if I were reading a book, you know, where they say something that's that's kind of off topic, you know, you're reading to see, okay, what does this guy say is a a good thing to do to help this situation, and that's kind of why you're reading it. And so maybe you don't give that a lot of attention. But um, I wanted to share with you today that... um, that is the most true thing in that book, um, that my priorities are prayer, 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 and then somewhere down the line starts the codes and that sort of thing. Um, that That's where everything comes from for me. That, that's where the discoveries come from. It's where the revelation comes from. Uh, it's where the healing comes from. And more importantly, it's where the relationship comes from. I can't love you if, excuse my English, I ain't got no love, only selfishness. Well, that's the source of the love. So if you want love in your life, that's the source. And it's, and it's free and open to anybody and everybody, anytime. So um, I just needed to say that after, uh, after listening to that beautiful uh, intro music um, by Ken. Okay, the crisis with no crisis. Um, most people that I have had the pleasure of knowing in my life, including Hope, including my two boys, including my two brothers, including lots of people that I've worked with, worked for, counseled, um, had as friends and neighbors growing up and today and in between. The great majority of the people I know rise to the occasion, okay? When there's a crisis, they step up, so to speak, all right? And um, there's history is replete with stories of people who did 
wonderful, amazing, even miraculous things when the situation required it, when there was a crisis and the situation required it. And very often after the fact, they may have, they may have even said, you know, I just did what anybody would do. Um, I, I did whatever I could to help, and it ended up being this, okay, that saved someone's life or that turned a negative situation into an okay situation or maybe even a positive. But the great majority of people rise to the occasion. And as we're talking today, you might think to yourself, okay, when are the times – what are the times in my life, those crisis times in my life, and at least some of those times, did I rise to the occasion, whether anyone noticed or not, maybe even whether you really noticed that much, did you? And I bet there's some circumstances where you have risen to the occasion. Now, there's a very small percentage of people who, when the crisis hits, that is, that they sort of check out, okay? They just can't handle it. They can't deal with it. And those typically are the people who are so full of fear, so full of stress, that the crisis is like the straw that broke the camel's back. And that's kind of how Hope was while she was depressed. But then after she wasn't depressed anymore, she became a rise to the occasion person. Okay, she couldn't do that while she was depressed. She would want to go run and hide. But afterwards, she became a rise to the occasion person, which most people are who are not sick or in constant con constant chronic long-term pain or just completely their bucket is just overflowing all the time. Okay? But that's a very, very small percentage of people, and very often it's not even their whole lives. Just like hope, it's, it's during a part of their life, and then when that thing gets better, they are able now to rise to the occasion. For the great majority of the people that I have worked with and had the pleasure of knowing in my life, the hardest time to live in what I call de facto love true love, there's placebo, nocebo, and de facto. Placebo means believing a lie. Nocebo means believing a lie. De facto is the reality. Whether you like it or not, whether it's what you wanted or not, the true reality of the situation. So de facto love means true, real love, the thing that all of us want. Well, for most of the people that I've known, the hardest time to live in de facto love sometimes is when nothing is really going on. It may even be boring. I know um, when when Hope had her when Hope was depressed, I stepped up and was on the job, and 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 I felt my love for her greater when she was, you know, struggling and in pain, all right? Uh, Hope had an appendix at one time in her life and had emergency appendectomy, okay? Um, when that happened, I felt my love for her much stronger than when nothing is going on, 
okay? And it was easier for me to show my love for her, to act in love, because I felt it more, because I do love her, and her being in pain, there's this thing called empathy that we very often use as the measure of love, which means to feel that other person's pain and not just watch from the sideline, but to act in love to help that person in, in whatever they need, okay? Um, and, and I've seen that in many times in my life, okay? And, and it's happened in my life. Uh, I grew up in a uh, very religious home. I would even say a strict religious home. You, you've heard me talk about that. You probably read it in one of my books if you've read one of those because I think that's in both, okay? Well, an interesting thing about that for me, too, is for me, the times that I would tend to get really messed up with that terrible three-letter word, S-I-N, sin, was when nothing much was going on, and I was kind of bored. And that's when I would end up getting into stuff I shouldn't get into, even if I knew I shouldn't. But then if a crisis thing happened, I would step up, I would straighten up, I would fly right, and I would be there to help in any way that I could, okay? Well, I would guess that for the average person, not maybe a really sick person, but for the average person, less than 1% of our life is what we would tend to call a crisis time, okay? Less than 1%. That means that 99% would be not a whole lot is happening, nothing really awesome, nothing really bad either, sort of a normal day, maybe even at times kind of boring, okay? That would be 99% of our life, okay? So if you were going to weigh something, okay, I can get something right 1% of the time, or I can get something right 99% of the time, which one would you choose? <laughs> well, silly question. You'd choose the 99%, right? You'd say, okay, that 1%, even if I totally mess that up, the whole 1%, that's still a pretty good life if I've done if I've lived in de facto love, stepped up, done the right thing, the loving thing, the good thing, 99% of the time in my life, that'd be pretty good, right? Yes, I, I, I'll answer that myself. That would be really good. And I would say most people don't do that, okay? And, and I'm not saying you have to do that, especially not with willpower and effort, okay? I'm just trying to give you a, a perspective here today. But we tend to think, okay, the, 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 the time when not much is going on, maybe it's kind of okay that I choose sin or choose fear or mess up, okay? Because after all, there's no big crisis thing going on. I've got time to repent. I've got time to confess. I've got time to change. I've got, you know, but, but if I thought today was the last day of the world, I know good and well I would never do that today. 
I would do right. I would step up, okay? Well, are you doing that in your life? Are you choosing for the 99% time of your life to step up, to choose de facto love, to choose what is right, to choose God, to choose other people, to choose yourself in love, not selfishness, okay? Or, like me and like a lot of other people, do you rise to the occasion in the 1% of the time and stumble during the 99% of the time? And I would suggest today that that's been the case in my life and most of the people that I've known and worked with. So maybe is it possible that our priorities are wrong, that our thinking is wrong, that maybe even though that kind of thinking is a deception in and of itself trying to trip me up, trying to keep me from being happy and healthy and successful and have awesome relationships long term, okay? And I believe that is, that, that is the truth. The 1% of the time, the true crisis times, and maybe for, for a small percentage of people who have chronic long-term illness and things like that, it would be 5% of the time, still leaving 95%, okay, where, you know, it's not a crisis time, that that 99%, that 95% may be the key to your life. Even though you're thinking, okay, this time doesn't matter all that much, but if there's a crisis, I'm going to be there and rise to the occasion. Maybe we should be thinking almost the opposite, that the crisis with no crisis is the 95 to 99% of the time when no big thing is going on. And if we can live in de facto love during that time, that we might see our life dramatically change. Um, you probably heard of an adrenaline rush, that there's adrenaline junkies. Um, we used to say about my mom and our family that if there was not an emergency, she would create an emergency so that she could solve it. Because she was the the quintessential rise-to-the-occasion person probably that I've ever known in my life, okay? And, man, if, if the crisis time hit, Phyllis Lloyd was leading the Army to solve it, and she would work 24-7 until that problem was solved. And everybody who knew her knew that, okay? And you know what? I think maybe now some of the reason that my mom invented crisis when there wasn't one so that she could solve it is because she felt some of what I'm saying today. She felt that she was at her best during crisis, that she felt, you know, that's when I step up and I am the Phyllis Lloyd that I really want to be. And so... She felt good about herself 
during those crisis times when she stepped up, did the right thing, lived de facto love, helped people, solved the problem, whatever, okay? And I found myself in, in, in life, especially during my early years, doing that some as well. Surprise, surprise, I'm her son. And what most of you all know about me, I think, because I've said it a bunch of times, is that when my mother got pregnant with me, she was, the, the doctors advised her to abort me. Now, this was back when abortions were illegal, except if the mom's life was in danger significantly. In other words, if the doctor thought there is really, really high percentage, serious, concern that if the mom has this baby, she will die, and that's exactly what the doctors told my mother. But she said, no way. She said, I'm having this baby. If I die, I die. But I am not killing this baby, okay? And I wouldn't be here if she hadn't made that decision, okay? But imagine her for nine months thinking, I'm going to die. Eight months. When I have this baby, I'm going to die. Six months. I've only got six more months to live. Two months. I mean, you get the idea. What do you think that would do in her? I mean, that was nine months of life or death crisis, not only for her, but for me. Because every feeling and thought she had, I had inside her. Okay? So in the early years of my life, I found myself kind of an adrenaline junkie, and I think it was part of that same thing with my mom and the nine months. And, and by the way, she did not die, but I almost died. She had me, and within a week, I had gone from eight pounds to about four or five pounds. Um, the doctors were seriously... Uh, thinking that there was a good chance I was going to die. My mother got up out of bed. She'd had a C-section for me. Um, she got up out of bed, unhooked the tubes, grabbed me, and started walking out of the hospital. They grabbed her, said, Ms. Lloyd, you can't leave. She said, I'm leaving. She said, they said, you can't leave. She said, will you watch me? I'm taking this baby out of here, and I'm going to make sure he lives. He's going to die if he stays in this hospital with what you guys are doing. And they made her sign these papers, but they let her leave. And she stayed up with me 24-7, making sure that I started to finally eat and not spit it out, and I lived, okay? So I, I was brought into this world in crisis, programmed, I'm going to die when in eight months and six months and two months, see, all that came through to me too, okay? And so in the early years of my life, I would rise to the occasion, but then sin and mess up during the 99% of time when nothing was going on, okay? I think if we would reverse the priority and say my priority is the 99% or the 95%, when the crisis time comes, we would automatically rise to the occasion. We, wouldn't have to, we don't even have to worry about that. It will happen, and it will happen every time. 
But so many of us are killing ourselves with our attitude toward the 99% of the time, when, which is the crisis with no crisis. It is most important to stay focused in love and guard your heart in normal times during the 95 to 99% of the time. So this week, as you pray, as you meditate, I'd like you to think about these things. I'd like you to ask yourself, okay, have I been a crisis person? Do I rise to the occasion in crisis, or do I run and hide? In times in my life when I have gotten tripped up by fear, by sin, by selfishness, by whatever you want to call it, the times in my life when I've gotten most tripped up by that stuff, has it been during the crisis times or the normal times? And, and, and there are a percentage of people, usually the percentage of people that have had long-term crisis, more than 95% than the 99%, that tend to slip up during the crisis times because they go on and on and on and on and on and on and on until they feel like they're about to break, and then they do something to seek pleasure or avoid pain because they feel like, I'm about to go nuts, I'm about to go crazy. But that's the minority. Okay, not the majority. So which are you? And I'd like you to really prayerfully consider treating the crisis with no crisis, the normal times, as the most important times. And, and, and making a vow to God, to yourself, but don't do it lightly, don't do it unless you mean it, that... From now on, I want to prioritize, I want to focus, I want to be faithful, I want to live in de facto love, I want to live and do right as my priority during the normal times, which I think for most people is the hardest thing to do. So today is not so much a thing with the codes or the master key as it is a matter of perspective. Sure, you can use those tools to help clear away the junk, to infuse the positive, so that you can do this more easily. But I think the majority of it is a matter of awareness and intention and perspective we tend to think that non-crisis times are less important. And I'm suggesting today they may not only be as important, they may be more important. Because that's when habits get formed. That's when addictions happen. That's when, for most people, either the love or the fear takes root the most and then grows and grows and we wonder where did that start and for most people it starts in the 99% of time so which are you prioritizing which 
which uh, which have you slipped up the most in? I would say become a rise to the occasion person in the 99% normal times. And you know what? In, in, a, in a very important way, it's really easier during those times because your fear response is fine to be turned off. You, it's easy to heal the junk, infuse the positive, and then when you're in that healed place to get that fear response turned off, especially when there's no real life crisis, well, with the fear response turned off, it's, it's much easier to live in love and truth in the present moment. That is harder to do when that fear response is going off because your unconscious mind bypasses your conscious intention and takes control away from you, okay? So this week, pray, meditate, and maybe challenge yourself. Can I be faithful? Can I live in love and truth during the boring normal 95 to 99% of my life. And I, I believe if you prioritize that, pray about it, do codes on it, you can, and it will change everything. Because that's the part that trips most of us up. And then when the real crisis hits, the 1%, you will rise to the occasion. You won't have to worry about that. Thanks, Ken.